Today I'm discussing The Way of Mercy, Pilgrimage in Catholic Poland with the author Stephen J. Bins. And Stephen, it's good to have you with us today. Thank you very much, Chris. Happy to be with you. Yeah. Now talk to me a little bit about your own personal walk with the Lord. Have you always been Catholic? Oh, yes. Uh, yes, I am a, a cradle Catholic, as they say. Uh, my parents planted the seedbed when I was very young. And so, you know, up until I was 18 or so, I had kind of a, a cultural Catholicism, I would say. I've always gone to Catholic schools. and uh, But it was only when I went to college, I think, that my faith became very... Uh, uh, a very real uh, part of my life. Uh, mm-hmm. Many, many people, you know, lose their faith in college, but I think probably because I had such a good uh, family upbringing and because I went to a wonderful Catholic college called the University of Dallas, I, uh, I grew in my faith and it became very real. I, I think because of the, of the, um, the core curriculum of the university, which is kind of a great books program, uh, all the great Western books. And it was through philosophy and through uh, art history and, and through literature, you know, to see when I began to see the, the, the truth, the richness of the faith, mm-hmm. uh, it really became alive for me. So, Okay. And how has that really helped shape your writing? What what led you to write about the Catholic faith? Yeah, I after, uh, after college, mm-hmm. I, I went on to to graduate studies. After that, I knew I wanted to to study theology. Mm-hmm. So I um, I gained, had a background in um, literature from the university and minored in philosophy. But then I went into uh, graduate theology, and then um, and then I specialized in biblical studies after mm-hmm. that. And uh, from my first Bible course in college, I, I knew that, that the scriptures were, were to be my, my point of focus for my, for my uh, academic life. Okay. And uh, so uh, it was from that, from biblical scholarship, um, I worked for a number of different Catholic publishers through the years mm-hmm. and uh, did some writing, developing Bible studies, threshold Bible study is, is still ongoing. And so it's from that, from that background, mm-hmm. biblical scholarship and, uh, and writing, particularly on the popular level for, for Catholics and for parishes, that, uh, that I began to, well, to look into writing in, in other areas as well, as well as Catholic theology and, mm-hmm. and biblical studies. All right. And just give us a sense of some of your other projects that, that, that you've done in the past that sort of led up to this one. Yeah, as I said, uh, my main um, kind of flagship of my work is Threshold Bible Study, mm-hmm. and it's used in, uh, well, in Catholic parishes and by individuals throughout the country, North mm-hmm. America, and and even, uh, I'm, I'm kind of proud to say this, uh, just in recent years it's begun to be translated by a publisher in China, mm-hmm. and it's translated into Chinese. Mm-hmm. Uh, they now have six six of the well, 38 total is the number of books that in the Threshold Bible Study series that are published. Mm-hmm. But there are uh, six of them now are in Chinese, and I think they're going to do about two a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they're, they're used uh, not only in Taiwan, where they're published, but also uh, in the mainland, where it's mm-hmm. possible in the People's Republic. Huh. And I don't think this is your first pilgrimage book. Am I right? 
No, it isn't. No, I uh, the one before this is uh, called Holy Land Pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. So Holy Land Pilgrimage is, is my first love. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wrote a, a book with liturgical press several uh, about what about three years now mm-hmm. uh, ago and kind of uh, put together my 30 years of studying about the Holy Land and, and offering trips there. And, uh, but it's very much like this. Mm-hmm. It contains my own photography, 200 plus uh, photographs that that I took myself, uh, being a sort of a either a serious amateur or a semi-professional photographer. And mm-hmm. uh, and, and um, it's well, it's very much like this. It not only tells about the places, all the sites in the Holy Land, but also gives the reader an experience of those places through. Mm-hmm questions and reflection and scripture and prayer. Okay. What inspired you to start leading pilgrimages in the first place? And how long ago did you start? Yeah, well, from my biblical scholarship, Mm -hmm. I I started leading Holy Land pilgrimages, of course. Mm -hmm. And that began in the 1990s, about the Mm mid-90s. And uh, so I led Holy Land pilgrimages for a number of years, uh, branched out a little bit into... uh, uh, not only Israel, but Jordan, and then eventually into Greece and Turkey, the mm-hmm. other uh, biblical spots on the globe. Um, and then just in the past, uh, oh, four or five years, I started uh, experiencing other places as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, various Marian sites. I I grew into a, a much deeper appreciation for, for the saints of the church mm-hmm. and began to lead pilgrimages and following the ways of the of various saints in different countries. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, Poland is, is one of the more recent uh, loves of, of my life. And mm-hmm. and I just discovered the, the rich pilgrimage history of Poland and the rich Catholic history there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've led a, a number of pol- uh, pilgrims to Poland. Okay. And what what is, talk to me about the kind of, I want to say the point of pilgrimage, but I feel like that's a better way of putting it. Why is it so impactful? Why is it so important for people to to walk in the footsteps of saints of our Lord himself? Yeah, that it's a good question. You know, a pilgrimage itself is biblical. Mm-hmm. You know, the people of Israel taught us how to go on pilgrimage. God commanded that his people go up to Jerusalem to mm-hmm. to celebrate the great pilgrimage festivals. Many of the psalms are are pilgrimage psalms. And uh, so pilgrimage is, is rooted in our faith. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a sort of, I would say, a, a sacramental experience of, of our whole Christian life, mm-hmm. you know, our life as a journey. We, as uh, God's people, are, are a pilgrim people, you know, always on our way. And so the experience of pilgrimage is a, is a, is a model for, for, our, for our whole life, really, in many ways. But, mm-hmm. but I don't think pilgrimage can be really described until, until you experience it. You know, a hmm. pilgrimage is very different from a, from just a, a study trip or or, or a vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pilgrimage is a is a journey mm-hmm. that has an exterior dimension. You know that we can see and experience with our senses, uh, and and in that way, it's like a vacation or or any other trip. Mm-hmm. But it also has an interior dimension. Yep, and uh, that that interior 
journey, that interior dialogue with God that we make as we journey mm -hmm. along the way, as we make uh, sort of an interior contact with these sacred places and with these, these saints that have made them holy, mm -hmm. uh, these sites of apparition and experiences of the Blessed Virgin Mary and, and other saints through the ages. Uh, that's, uh, that's an interior experience that the purpose of which is to transform us. Mm. Uh, just as the sacraments or any kind of sacramental experience of the church is mm -hmm. designed to, to change us both interiorly and exteriorly, so, so pilgrimage mm -hmm. is designed to, to transform our lives, uh, mm -hmm. to lead us in a particular way. And, and that's why I think it's so important, you know, for uh, I always ask pilgrims, what led you to, to join this group? Uh, what mm -hmm. what interior kind of call <clears throat> have you experienced from God that that brought you here? And and what do you what do you expect God to do in your life? What are what are you open to? Uh, what do you want to happen mm -hmm. on this trip? To have an ex kind of a expectant faith yeah. in what God wants to do for mm -hmm. us on this pilgrimage. You know, and it's interesting. I was talking today to a colleague, Kate, about the Stations of the Cross and the tradition that Our Lady is the source of the stations, that she had created them first after her son's ascension, I believe, and would walk them throughout the remainder of her life on earth. Um, so there's something intensely Marian as well about this this pondering of memory, this visiting of places, this walking in the footsteps again. Why? How do you see that in Marian devotion or in the Church's kind of understanding of Our Lady? Yeah, absolutely. You know, pilgrimage is, is very Marian, as you say, the Stations of the Cross, remembering the way of Jesus. Certainly Mary, of all people, remembered those steps. And, and, uh, and of course, memory in our, in our tradition is a very strong word. It doesn't mm -hmm. just mean, you know, recalling something from the past, but it means, you know, putting ourselves there, really re-experiencing mm -hmm. uh, that event. And, and Mary must have done that with the stations. Mm -hmm. we, we do that with the rosary. We, we re-experience the mysteries of Christ's life through the, through the mind and the heart of, of Mary. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think we do the same thing on pilgrimage. Uh, every yeah. pilgrimage really is kind of a walking with Mary in the way of her son. Yeah. Yeah, and some of the biggest and kind of most, um, most formidable, perhaps, stations of the cross in the world can be found in Poland, right? They've got oh. that long tradition of the Calvaries. Ah, beautiful, yes. That was very, uh, very important for the young life of, uh, of uh, Karol Wojtyła, mm -hmm. later St. John Paul II, you know, the Calvaries. And uh, we go to there, I have a section about the, the Calvary uh, in uh, near Wadowice, where uh, Pope John Paul II grew up, mm -hmm. and so his father would take him there, and, and that was very, very important for his life. But, but again, that's a very, uh, even more so than the Stations of the Cross, mm -hmm. the Calvaries in Poland are a way in which you actually walk to various chapels mm -hmm. that, that, uh, that are dedicated to various aspects of Christ's passion, mm -hmm. and. Um, so that's a very, very tangible, experiential, sensual way of, of mm -hmm. experiencing Christ's life. Yeah, and I think the founder of the Marian Fathers spent a, a lot of his life, I believe, at Gora Calvaria, um, 
and and was very close to one of the major sites for that. When did you first go to Poland? You know, my, my introduction to Poland was uh, not the usual Catholic introduction. I actually went with a with a Jewish survivor of the Holocaust, mm. uh, a, a wonderful woman named Eva Moses Kor. Mm-hmm. She um, she was a twin. She was brought from her home in um, in Bulgaria mm-hmm. as a Jew, Jew, a Jewish family. They were captured in their home and brought by cattle car to, to mm. Auschwitz. Her parents and her older brothers and sisters were immediately uh, killed, mm. and she and her twin sister were saved because they were the victims of the famous medical experimentations by uh, Dr. Mengele, the Nazi mm-hmm. uh, doctor. And um, and she went through some, some terrible times in that medical experimentation. Uh, but nevertheless, she was saved, rescued by the, by the Soviets and the liberation of Auschwitz at the end of the war. So she... Uh, her twin sister eventually went to Israel, and, and Eva went to the United States. She married an American, and and uh, in um, uh, in Indiana, she has she has a, mm-hmm. a place called Candles, a, a museum of the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. She died just a couple of years ago, but um, but one of the things that uh, well, two things that were so important for her life. One is is to remember, to teach people about what happened and, and uh, so that it does, never happens again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other is what she discovered late in her life, uh, about 20 years before her death, forgiveness. She, she calls it the gift of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And as a Jewish woman, she discovered the power of forgiveness when she forgave her persecutors in her heart um, mm-hmm. She and started talking about that and talking about the, the power of forgiveness. She uh, uh, freed her life. She was, uh, as a prisoner of or as a victim of the Holocaust, she was very much, uh, you know, bitter and resentful about all of that throughout her life until she forgave. And she's a she's a wonderful witness of that, of that, really Jewish Christian virtue. Mm-hmm. So I went with her. Uh, we focused on the the Jewish history of Poland, and uh, and the history of the, the Holocaust. But then in uh, the next my next trip to Poland was uh, the Year of Mercy, the Jubilee Year of Mercy, mm-hmm. 2016. Mm-hmm. So I I led a group there after doing a lot of personal reading and research, and um, really discovered. Uh, and led people into the the Catholic history mm-hmm. of Poland at that time. So 2016, and then I've led uh, two other pilgrimages since then. I have one that will that I'll lead next year, and um, but then in preparation for this book, I I flew to Warsaw. This was about uh, two years ago, I guess, and uh, I traveled by rental car all through the country and stopping at at a lot of other places besides uh, the normal pilgrimage spots mm-hmm. in Poland, and many of those places I've as you'll see, I've discovered, I've uh, written about in this in this book. Okay. So, kind of made a circle by car throughout the throughout the country of Poland and, mm-hmm. and hit all the high spots. Oh, excellent! And there's a, certainly a lot of them, aren't there? How has Poland produced so many saints? Oh gosh, you know, um, Poland. The Christian history of Poland started in 966, so we have well over. 
millennium of Christian history in Poland. And uh, of course it began when the East and West was, was united and we were all one church. Um, but Poland throughout much of its history was both Catholic and Orthodox, but mm -hmm. later uh, the last several centuries has been uh, particularly Catholic because of the changing borders due to the wars and that sort of thing. But uh, so Cardo Wyszynski, when he was a prisoner of the Soviets in the mid 1960s, mm -hmm. uh, had this idea of commemorating the thousand year anniversary of, of Christianity in mm -hmm. Poland. So 966 to 1966, uh, 1966 was the great uh, millennial year for Poland. And he had the vision of preparing for that millennial year by a nine year uh, novena. Mm -hmm. And so that was a, a, a tremendously important event for the history of Poland. And uh, I think brought brought the rich history of its saints to the to the forefront. But uh, but the history of suffering really is, I, I think, the source of the, the rich Catholicism and the, the sanctity that has emerged in Poland. Um, throughout the 19th century, for example, Poland was <clears throat> was conquered from all sides by uh, well, by the Russian Empire and the Habsburg Empire and the Prussian empire mm -hmm. and so during the 19th century for well over a century poland really was no more mm -hmm. didn't have any boundaries there really was no nation of poland mm -hmm. but it was the the faith and the culture of poland that remained in the hearts of the people mm -hmm. so um so out of that suffering lots of 19th century saints emerged and yeah. then in the 20th century uh, during the second world war the nazi uh period poland suffered by far more than any other nation mm -hmm. um, 18% of of the nation of poland was was killed in the second world war uh, poland was invaded from the west by the nazis and from the east by the by the by the soviet communists and um, and out of that terrible suffering um, not only the suffering during the war by the Nazis, but uh, the suffering occupation by the Soviets uh, for several decades after the war. Mm -hmm. uh, through that to, through that terrible suffering, uh, rich sanctity emerged. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so from that, we have the wonderful um, tradition of St. Faustina mm -hmm. and her very beautiful mystical spirituality. Uh, we have St. Maximilian Kolbe, the great Franciscan mm -hmm. uh, martyr of the Second World War, and of course, uh, St. John Paul II. And mm -hmm. his life emerged uh, through the war, through the, through the communist occupation, into the, the freedom that Poland began to experience during his papacy. Hmm. Yeah, it's quite the roll call. And and with that, with that litany of names, I mean, that's got to cover the length and breadth of the country, I think. What's your favorite stop, though? Out of all of your stops in, on your pilgrimages in Poland, what's your favorite? That is a very difficult question. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, my, my favorite city, <clears throat> my favorite city in Poland is Krakow. Ah. Uh, Krakow is in the south of Poland. Mm-hmm. 
it's a it's a beautiful city. It's the really one of the few cities that remained untouched by the bombing of the Second World War. So mm -hmm. it's much of its original medieval architecture is still there. Um, it's um, it has the largest square, mm -hmm. uh, the very center of the city, uh, the largest in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, Krakow is often called the Rome of the North because of its uh, Catholic faith and because of the number of saints and churches mm -hmm. in Krakow is just very very sim <clears throat> excuse me very similar to that of, of mm -hmm. Rome. And John Paul before he was Pope he was Archbishop and then Cardinal Archbishop of Krakow right? That's right yeah. So so many of the places in Krakow are are memories of John Paul II. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, near near Krakow is, of course, Varavitsi, which is just a wonderful small town, containing the the birthplace of John Paul II. Hmm. Is the place of his youth. It's now a, a tremendous uh, museum. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, <clears throat> then in Krakow, we can see the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the place where John Paul and his father lived during his college days mm -hmm. uh, across the river the uh, the church of saint stanislaus koska mm -hmm. uh there's the uh jagiellonian university where he went to to the university mm -hmm. uh, saint florian his his first uh parish as a as a new priest uh his where he lived, where he did his graduate studies, mm -hmm. and then the, uh, the the Metropolitan Curia, where he, uh, where he, where his office was as the Archbishop of Krakow. Mm -hmm. So, so many memories of John Paul II there in Krakow. Hmm. Yeah, and Faustina was there for a while too, I think. Yes, yes, she was, um, and of course that the the most important shrine of Saint Faustina is mm -hmm. just right outside of Krakow. It's her the, the convent mm -hmm. where she spent much of her life and, and of course, where she died. Uh, and her tomb is there mm -hmm. and the, the beautiful uh, uh, convent and now the Basilica of Divine Mercy there on mm -hmm. the same site. And I believe that the popes have visited that over the years, right? Yes, that's right. Yes, certainly uh, John Paul II really uh, inaugurated it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe Pope Benedict and... and I think Pope Francis as well. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very important site, of course, for World Youth Day there in Krakow, which mm -hmm. is a wonderful event several years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the Jubilee year, I think. Yeah. So, yes, for sure. So, out of all of these lives of the saints, there's got to be some incredible stories, either miracles or just wonderful moments. Can you share some of those stories with us? Um, yeah, you know... One of my favorite uh, recent Polish saints is uh, Father Jerzy Popolushko. Mm -hmm. He's uh, he's the great uh, solidarity priest. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a very young priest there in uh, well near uh, right outside of, near near Warsaw, and uh, he was called upon during the time of the solidarity strikes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> And he, he volunteered to be uh, kind of the one who would go out to the uh, to set, to offer mass for the striking workers at, mm -hmm. the, at the steel steel mill. And uh, 
then he began what were called the masses of the homeland uh, hmm. once a month the last sunday of the month i believe it was he would have the the mass of the whole homeland there in um, during the time of the strikes and it just increased and continually increased until oh, oh, well over half a million people there they had to have it outside of mm -hmm. of the church and uh and he you know he, he's just a very wonderful very inspiring uh, uh figure from that time and he's he was recently beatified mm -hmm. on, a, on the way to sainthood uh he was uh killed he was uh, under observation by the by the kgb and and mm -hmm. uh, he was um you know he was kidnapped and and then killed mm -hmm. and uh so he's a, a great martyr for for the cause it certainly and then there's like a, that the wonderful life of washinsky mm -hmm. uh, cardinal washinsky is just one of my favorite figures i've read a, several biographies mm -hmm. of washinsky uh he was as you know he was recently made a blessed mm -hmm. blessed cardinal stefan washinsky he's on his way to sainthood mm -hmm. uh he was the great cardinal archbishop of warsaw during the mm -hmm. uh during the communist occupation mm -hmm. he led that that wonderful uh period of the of the nine-year novena leading to the millennium of and during that nine-year novena one of the things they did was they 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 began carrying the the an image of our lady of Czestochowa, the great the the you know the queen of poland mm -hmm. the beautiful figure of our lady of Czestochowa, and uh they began to carry it all through the throughout the parishes of poland in celebration of this millennial preparation mm -hmm. and then the communists put an end to that they 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 took the the image of our lady of chestahova away from them and so cardinal vashinsky began to carry around from place to place an empty frame of our lady of chestahova and mm -hmm. uh, that was a very powerful sign that the the faith of the people was far stronger than yeah than anything the the communist occupation could take away. Hmm. And now explain for our listeners one of the one of the things that doesn't translate as well into English. What does it mean if they read something and see that Cardinal Wyszynski was the primate of Poland? Yeah, the primate is uh is It's not monkeys, really, right? That, that's right, it's not monkeys. <laughs> the primate is the is the uh the, the primary sea in Poland, and um, the the actual original primate of mm -hmm. Poland was in uh, Niezno, hmm. uh, the royal cathedral there, going back to uh, uh, to Saint uh, Wojciech, hmm. uh, Saint Ad Adalbert, as he's usually known in in European countries, but hmm. uh, he's the first patron saint mm -hmm. of Poland. And Yezno then has traditionally been the, the primatial, <clears throat> excuse me, Yezno has been the, the primatial sea mm -hmm. there in Poland, and then it was united with Warsaw. So Yezno, Warsaw, and, and the, uh, the archbishop, cardinal archbishop of that sea is the primate or the primatial uh, 
Archbishop of Poland. Okay. Now, your book also includes some stops at sites where the Holocaust took place. Talk to me about St. John Paul II as a witness for a, a responsible kind of Christian response to remembering and helping to make sure that that never happens again. Yeah. Uh, John Paul was, was uh, because of his background in Poland, you know, Poland has, well, bef certainly before the war, had many, had the largest Jewish population uh, anywhere in Europe. Mm -hmm. And in the town of Adovice, I believe it was about a third Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so the, the Catholics and the Jews lived there together in perfect harmony. Some of some of uh, young Carol's best friends were, were Jews. And there's there's a number of books uh, about his friendship with with, the, with his uh, Jewish playmates there in Vadovice. And uh, and so with that background, mm -hmm. uh, when he was Cardinal Archbishop, he had a, a great relationship with with the with with the Jewish communities. Uh, well, mm -hmm. you know what was left of them after the war, and um, and during his papacy, mm -hmm. he, he made some great great strides with Catholic Jewish relationships, and um, he was, uh, I think, the first pope in in centuries to go to the Jewish synagogue in Rome. And he went to Auschwitz uh, mm -hmm. a number of times, and um, so, so you know, it, it was again his Polish background and uh, the Polish history with the Jewish people mm -hmm. that that enabled him to see that. You know, he he was important in in uh, making sure that we knew that the Jewish people were our elder brothers and sisters mm -hmm. in the faith, and. Uh, and, and of course, Poland contains so many of, of the terrible uh, sites of the Holocaust during the Second World War, mm -hmm. and uh, and he certainly, during his visits back to Poland, he certainly made made those sites known as well to the world. Hmm. Um, Warsaw um, had a probably the most famous Jewish ghetto during during the Nazi occupation and the the uh, Warsaw. The ghetto uprising was a very heroic time, but it was it was crushed and mm -hmm. by the Nazis. Um, and of course, Auschwitz. Auschwitz um, is is near Warsaw. It's right in the middle of the country. It's uh, the largest of the death camps. Over mm -hmm. well over a million people were were killed there. Um, you know, during the uh, as the Nazis began to occupy Poland, their first move was not against the Jews; it was mm -hmm. against the, the Polish culture. So many, many priests, many uh, professors, uh, people of, of cultural influence—you know—they mm -hmm. were they were the first killed by the Nazis. Mm -hmm. But then. Um, but then the Jews, during the time of the uh, later part of the war, the final solution and all that, they became the uh, the the biggest victims hmm. of the of the Nazis. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, and it's such a huge, huge historical trauma. Um, it's always amazing. Well, it's just it's amazing that that Poland has kind of come back from from the Nazi oppression, survived the the communist oppression. You know they're still standing, 
And it's one of the most extraordinary stories of, of um, resilience, I think, in, in history. Um, sadly, their neighbors right now in Ukraine are, are experiencing kind of some of the same sorts of historical events as, as Poland has just been through. What can the Polish experience tell us about responding to the Russian invasion of Ukraine? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think they can, they can learn a lot. They have learned a lot. The Polish people are now learning from the Ukrainians mm -hmm. as well. Uh, they're, <clears throat> they border one another, of course. And um, I think the Poles have shown through their history with the Nazis that culture cannot be taken from them. Mm -hmm. You know, the faith and the culture are very much uh, at one with one another. And, and John Paul II, during the Nazi occupation, you know, much of his his own uh, life during the war was uh, devoted to preserving the the Polish culture. Mm. You know, through through poetry and through uh, drama, he would uh, he joined with a, a a group of of young students and they traveled around the country, mm -hmm. uh, presenting the the poetry and the drama of of uh, Polish culture, and with it, of course, is is its Catholicism. And so, you know, the Ukrainian people know that well. They, they, they know that a military invasion cannot destroy their souls. Mm -hmm. And so with that beautiful blue and gold Ukrainian flag and with their, with their Christian faith, mm -hmm. which is both Orthodox and Catholic, mm -hmm. uh, their cultural identity, you know, that's something that, that can't be taken from a people. And, and no occupation will really succeed when they maintain that. And so an occupier always wants to destroy that culture. Uh, even more important than destroying military or, or buildings or infrastructure, it's the destruction of culture that, that invaders always want to accomplish. Hmm. And so it's very important for the Ukrainian people, which they, of course, learn from the Polish people, mm -hmm. that uh, they're, they're standing strong in their culture and their traditions and their faith. Yep. That's fascinating. And it, it offers interesting lessons and an interesting model, I think, for us in the West as well of certainly culture can change. But like you said, it needs to survive. It needs to persist. And the touchstones need to persist of faith, of family, of kind of those those perennial values that, that are so important to any kind of society. Um, so let me ask a practical question as well at this point. Sure. Not all of our listeners can make a physical pilgrimage to Poland, however, however much they might like to. How can they best use this book? Uh, you know, I... Uh, I try to promote something I call um, armchair pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and as you say, as wonderful as a physical pilgrimage is for those who are able, um, there are other ways of, of doing pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. And armchair pilgrimage really is, is taking a, a book like this mm -hmm. and going maybe to one site each day uh, in, your, in your home. You know, mm -hmm. take the book open to that particular site. You'll see several different uh, photos of the site. You'll see a kind of a historical and physical description of the site. Uh, but then in addition to that, you're, you're led in this book through a, 
kind of prayerful experience of that site. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a couple of meditation questions, uh, a scripture reading, uh, a, a responsorial kind of prayer experience for each of these sites. So, so that's the way to do a, an armchair pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. You know, just decide that you're going to go to this place in your own imagination and uh, gradually uh, experience these sites through the book. Hmm. And when is your next pilgrimage to Poland? My pilgrimage to Poland is June of 2024. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Is that going to coincide with any of anniversaries or special dates? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great time to visit Poland. Mm -hmm. uh, Poland is one of those few countries that, uh, you know, any, any countries of the north, I try to go in the summertime when more mm -hmm. people are available to to travel, and mm -hmm. Poland is certainly one of those because it has a, a mild summertime, mm -hmm. unlike, <clears throat> unlike the uh, southern um, southern countries, Mediterranean mm -hmm. countries of Europe. But uh, Poland in June is tremendous. Okay, yeah, I've heard I've heard some memories from Father Kaz here on the hill, and some memories from some Brother Andrew, some of the other Marians who were who had grown up or spent spent significant time in Poland. Um, you don't happen to have any of the Marian founders' life points on the on the itinerary, do you? Uh, not on this itinerary, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I hope to lead many more pilgrimages to Poland uh, to go different places. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the the basic Catholic pilgrimage to Poland focuses on Saint Faustina mm -hmm. and Saint Maximilian Kolbe and Saint John Paul II, mm -hmm. uh, but as I've expressed, there's lots of other places too. Yeah. For example, uh, Wrocław, mm -hmm. Saint Edith Stein, mm -hmm. a wonderful uh, re recent saint. Mm -hmm. There's all the stops of uh, Chopin. Mm -hmm. Now, Chopin was not a saint by any means, but but the the Polish people love him, and he he maintained his love yeah. for Poland and his Catholic faith uh -huh. all throughout his life. Yeah. And uh, so there in Warsaw at the uh, the Holy Cross Church is his heart at the mm -hmm. Chopin Museum and 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 you you can hear the music of Chopin all through all through Poland. Yeah. Um, you know so many so many other sites. Mm -hmm. There's uh, there's the famous um, the 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 the, uh, the Marian shrine mm -hmm. there in uh, Lichen, mm -hmm. uh, Our Lady of Lichen in Lichen Stare, mm -hmm. which is in uh, northern Poland. Which was founded by by the by the Marians, mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's the largest church, the largest basilica in Poland, mm -hmm. and it's a, a wonderful place. So, uh, my pilgrimage after this will probably go there. Great. Let me let's let Edith Stein kind of have the last word in this interview. Could you tell the story of of her conversion for our listeners? Uh, yeah, you know I. I probably won't do it adequately. Uh, her biography is just remarkable, but mm -hmm. she was a, a Jewish woman who was uh, very much attracted to the to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. She, uh, you know, th a couple of uh, memories from her early life that were, that really struck her. Once, you know, she just went into a church uh, off the street. Uh, it might be raining outside, and she went into a Catholic church, and uh, she sensed you know that she knew she saw people going there just to be quiet and to mm -hmm. pray 
and she sensed a, a presence there in, in in the Catholic Church that uh, you know that she hadn't experienced in any other place or any other in any certainly not in her Jewish faith, but she uh, you know that was something that attracted her. Certainly, philosophy, the academic life, uh, attracted her, and uh, phenomenology was the particular type of philosophy of the mm -hmm. time that that she was attracted to and that she did her doctoral work on and her her postdoctoral work as well. Um, but there in 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 um, uh, Rotswav is her family home, mm. a museum to Edith Stein. Mm -hmm. uh, nearby is the, the Church of St. Michael the Archangel, which has a, an altar devoted to Edith Stein. So she's a very just fascinating person because mm -hmm. she, in her Catholicism, she richly maintained her Jewish tradition mm -hmm. and uh, the combination of, of those two for her and the richness of her philosophical thought just yep. makes her a, a fascinating uh, Carmelite. She, she, she was called to the Carmelite order mm -hmm. and uh, she went to, uh, where is it, Köln, I think, in, in Germany. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, and then during the uh, Nazi occupation, she was uh, captured and sent to Auschwitz, and, and there she she met her death. Yeah, another another of those incredibly tragic moments in in Polish history. But in a sense, you know, the martyrs do offer us such hope of the triumph of faith over even the worst of evils, um, of of a love that endures beyond death which we could talk about at length with John Paul's whole theology of, of the person and, and philosophy of the person and the rest of it, but let us wrap this down. Thanks so much for being with us today, Stephen. Yeah, you're so welcome, Chris. I, I enjoyed talking with you. I, I hope um, some of these some of the folks listening will, will get this book from Marion Press. Uh, let me just say that Marion Press did a, a remarkable job in putting this together. You know, I wrote it and did the photography, but all the, the design and the layout and is all Marion Press, and mm -hmm. they did just a, a beautiful work. Our layout folk do good work. I've been talking to Stephen J. Bins today, the author of The Way of Mercy, Pilgrimage in Catholic Poland. To order The Way of Mercy, Pilgrimage in Catholic Poland by Stephen J. Bins, please visit shopmercy.org. This has been Sparks of Mercy. Thanks for listening. Pray for me, I'll pray for you. Jesus, I trust in you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. 
Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you.